Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us in yet another sunny day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Andrew Bonet, Chief Executive and Managing Director of Innovate Tax, a company that bridges the gap between Oracle and tax technology. Andrew, hello. Hi, Matthew. How are you? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program today. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to you? Um, I think that's a really good question. Um, those that know me well in the, in the business will say that I'm a very good leader, but I'm not a very good manager. And I think that that's something which, when it comes to you know the word leader or leadership, is something I think people need to understand is that um, a leader, in my opinion, is someone that sort of embodies all of the values the company and has the ability and the energy to be able to get everybody else that works with and around them on board with that same sort of vision and energy to allow those people to work in the, in the same way, mm-hmm. uh, but also the way that they enjoy and that they have the passion uh, that hopefully you know, that's shared with the leader that they, they're working under. And how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, I, I think my personal leadership style is... Um, you know, lead from the front. You know, if you want someone to do a dirty job, you have to be the, uh, the, the person to, you know, get your hands dirty first. Right. Um, I, I remember once, okay, a long time ago when I was uh, in between sort of roles or jobs and uh, I was working on a building site doing some demolition. And, um, you know, I explained to everybody what needed to be done. I was, I was made to foreman after a very a couple of days. Um, you know, on, on that side. And I remember uh, saying to everybody what needs to be done and everybody sort of looked at me and I said, right, here we go. Picked up the the, uh, the sledgehammer and I, and I got stuck in and then everybody else followed. And then I, you know, then took a step back and then said, okay, you know, that now a bit more sort of management and leadership in that way to, to make sure everybody was guided to make sure they were doing things in the most efficient way possible. So I think that's really important. You can't expect people to do something for you if you don't know what is expected from them. So it's a real uh, leading by example sort of model. I think so. I think as your company grows, that becomes harder. But as your company grows, um, those key people around you um, should have been with you long enough or have also you know, taken on the same qualities around sort of leadership. So they just become extensions of yourself, ultimately. So, but, you know, absolutely, you know, so I can say to, you know, Karma, who heads up my marketing, something that I want to be done. And I can then take a step back knowing that he's going to approach it right. in the same way that I would have done myself. And of course, Innovate Tax is on a uh, rapid expansion at the moment. How do you keep uh, your staff motivated to keep standards high while uh, delving into this brave new world? Yeah, I mean, the, the tax technology world is, is, is huge. It's growing uh, very, very quickly. Uh, and there's very, very few resources um, on, on the market, you know, or you know, even in terms of companies, we, we tend to compete with the big, big four. Um, and I'd like to say, you know, we do, we do a better job in most cases. And um, in, in terms of the growth and the way we've moved forward, we've, we've had to make decisions around, you know, which products that we were developing, which ones we focused on. Uh, also, the markets you mentioned there that, um, you know, Innovate Tax bridges the gap between uh, tax technology and, and Oracle, which is an ERP system. But we actually do more than that. Now we do, you know, other ERP systems such as SAP or Workday or other tax engines. But the interesting thing there is that when we tried initially to sort of grow that and go into different sort of markets, it caused a lot of confusion 
Um, and uh, it was actually um, Nathan Farmer, who was my um, commercial director. So I said, look, put a stop to it. So look, look, we need to go back to our grassroots here. We, 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 my sales guys don't know what to sell. The tech guys don't know what to develop. You know, the consultants don't know what, you know, what training they should be doing, you know, with, with, with skill set. And actually what we've done now is that we, we, we created almost like a separate sort of division within our company um, so that those guys that were doing the job that they had to do or are currently doing weren't disrupted. And then by having a sort of separate sort of operating arm to our, um, our business, we were able to then move into those other areas um, without disturbing the team. But when we needed that, those resources that helped, we could then bring them in as and when needed. And so that allowed the company to grow, to move into different areas without that disruption um, to the rest of the team. Now, obviously, the, there are changes. You know, there's, there's more workload and um, you know, even, even down to things like marketing, it's how do you, you know, change the marketing with the uh, sort of same resources that you have. And so that's where um, you have to empower those that are underneath you to make you know, certain decisions um, or to be able to have, you know, give them the benefit of doubt in the way that they're working. Sometimes they're wrong. And, and, you know, and obviously then that's where you say, okay, that didn't work. Let's not do that again. And let's how we move forward. But um, you have to empower those. So, you know, to, you know, it's just, I suppose, you know, where you have a general and you have your captains and his lieutenants, etc. cetera. You, you have to have something sort of similar, but not in a, you know, we have a very flat hierarchy so everybody can communicate, everybody can talk. And then that, in, in my you know, what we've been able to do there has allowed us to grow very rapidly into those different areas um, without disrupting the existing team. Let's go back to the very beginning of your career when you were first starting out in the world of work. Was there any particular individual or circumstance that really formed the way that you lead today? I, you know what? I, I, I think leadership is, is something that you're... you're your, your style, or you know, I think you can modify your style, um, but I think leadership is a lot of it is nature. Um, I think certain leaders can refine and uh, you know, the nurture side of things, but I, I'm and I think it does depend on uh, sort of the type of person you are. So, um, as my wife would say to me, you know, I, I'm one of these guys that I, I have too many ideas, you know, she says, Oh, screw, you know, and I'm, I'm looking over, oh, there's something else, there's something else. Um, whereas other people that I work with, they're, they're very capable of being able to retrain their mind and redirect and, and, and stick to a plan. So I think um, that, you know, from my point, you know, my, my leadership is natural. And I don't think there's anything where I've gone, okay, that person, you know, that's great. You know, I want to do it in that way. Uh, I've always been a very, you know, people focused and, you know, um, task oriented and I want to make sure that I deliver what I'm doing to the best that I always can. Um, and I've naturally, and I think my leadership has, has come because I was, I've always naturally been an intelligent person in, in terms of school. I didn't have to necessarily try as hard, you know, and I was in the top sets and things. But I think because of that, when you're working on projects with other people, you come up with ideas. And so those ideas tend to be the ones that are used. And so you naturally, therefore, are at the front of things. Um, but I do think there's, there's lots of other people I know that have been able to become very good leaders um, but more from, I suppose, a technical point where they've been able to read or they've been able to get advice or follow someone and then being able to adapt those um, those processes. So for me, it's, it's I'm, I'm, not, I'm one of those guys that um, it's difficult to, to, to change, I suppose, whereas um, others are, are able to change. So I think that's an interesting one. I don't think there's necessarily anybody 
that influence me. I'm not that type of person where I'm easily, you know, I can change the way I do things. Um, I definitely take on board, and, you know, and I see what people do. I think that's a great way of doing things, but, and I'll try and adapt that, but not to the point where I can just sort of say, right, as of tomorrow, you know, I'm doing things in a different way. Um, that, that's something I find very, very difficult just due to my, my sort of, my, the, the nature of, of my sort of makeup, I suppose. Whereas um, other people in my team are very, very good um, at being able to make those changes. You know, they can read a book, for example, and then the next week they, their whole management style changed. Now, unfortunately, our time together is uh, drawing to its close. But if I was to um, just ask very quickly, what does the next 12 months have in store for Innovate Tax? Um, I, I think from an Innovate Tax point of view, we are moving, we've, we've opened up uh, several offices uh, internationally. We're doing a big push into the, uh, into the US um, this year. Uh, some of our guys are actually going to go and, and, and base themselves in that, that region. And um, we're just going to... Now, that's a very the, complicated tax code. <laughs> well, we, we, we have, we work in over 150 countries. So, um, you know, when it comes to tax, you know, whether it's sales and use tax, you know, a book of purchase, a book of sales in Russia or intra-EU um, sales in, in Europe, it's not, that's not a problem for us at all. That's the bit we, we know and understand. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to the challenge. We, we already do a lot of work. Just we want to have a, a base there to move forward with. So, yes, international expansion is, our, is, our, is moving forward. Plus, we have uh, several products that we are bringing to the market. And they should all be uh, ready this year as well, which is very exciting. Well, Andrew, I'd love to have you back on the program at some point in the near future so we can go further in depth on these subjects. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you. Andrew, thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. That was Andrew Bonet, Chief Executive and Managing Director of Innovate Tax. And now, if you haven't heard it before, it's Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, we're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did... Uh, score nothing for Essex, uh, for my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, um, just... yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be <laughs> playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time mm. being stuck between the two sports and I think uh, for those that uh, don't know there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer but um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated no matter what form that comes in when you were at West Ham Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach. 
or teach me, if you like, at the football. And uh, they, they quite always mention when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and he's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that calibre can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's, that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager like, like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. What a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier. He played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he, how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to, to be involved in my career in those early days with two two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that, but obviously... Uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. 
he was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time, maybe overly strict, but at a time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people. And he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be, who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn for you. And you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organization, one thing I have learned and I've taken on my life, my family, You've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it. You you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learnt over a long period of time. And is there, do you think, uh, a, a specific moment? I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in? Uh, so Alf, so uh, sharply. Yes, I think for for me certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would would be in the team or certainly in the squad, and surprising they were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that. It looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be playing in, in the team. But in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games, and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So mm-hmm. I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I like I was going to play, and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back into it because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Glee's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think Mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, Not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, out. So I never really felt people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he'd moved one or two players out, the squad were 
a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very, I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players. Um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I, I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows, in fact, starting this week over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about 20 minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. There's too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, The other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the, the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And, of course, I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal. And I looked round, put my foot on the ball, and looked round for a little while and said, oh, dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening, and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I had a somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what a question. What a question. Uh, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like that. But then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make me laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. <laughs> um, but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think um, you, you were a young man when this happened when you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you or did you just realise that by, by quick one way or the other, people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? 
Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I think probably it would be very immodest of me to to suggest I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence, how you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah. And and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader, um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to. Uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even, uh, certainly as a team, if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolutely leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson is just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the, 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United and subsequently since he's gone how they they are not doing so well he's the best example of management I've seen we've seen we've probably ever seen and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again it's absolutely astonishing astonishing and do you think could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think, yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Green was, yeah, well, the, the answer is straightforward. answer is yes. Um, they, answer. <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, I know, uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the, um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England, 
who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team. I think that that was outstanding, and uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And going back from an earlier earlier question for me, that um, all hard-nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially. And that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers. We, we still got on, our wives got on all together all those years later. It didn't just finish after 66. They, that reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. the... Um, uh, Getting on with each other lasted for, for a long, long, long time, and I wouldn't. And when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those, I would pick every one of the eleven players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else; they were all outstanding, and I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big Absolutely. a part that was, and I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. It- we had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the 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 whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team. the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly. Uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership, all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But it, you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation, and I think that's you're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over it, go over the past, and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. 
Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.